My mother at the time was in her 60s, and I was working at Dan's Moving in Storage that summer in college in Dunkirk. And I was moving furniture, and my, my buddy, I can't think of one of the guys I worked with, gave me the, he recorded the Jerky Boys tape. He gave me like a cassette tape, back cassette tapes. And I remember listening to it and laughing my ass off. And then we went on a road trip, me and my mom and dad somewhere, I think to Detroit or something. We're playing it in the car, and my mom was dying just listening to the Jerky Boys, <laughs> and she kept... Uh, my, my dad was getting pissed because she was laughing the whole time and disturbing him. And and she went to that one where she, uh, the guy goes, talk to me, you silly little freak, or something like that. And so my mom goes, yeah, talk to me, Harold, you silly little freak. And he got all pissed off. Don't you call me a silly little freak. And, and she was laughing. And then I think that year is when the Jerky Boy movie came out. And me and my mom, either in, I don't even know, came to Dunkirk. We actually drove to Buffalo or something, went and saw it. Thank you for listening to Not Too Much Podcast. I am Bub. I'm Hope. We have a special guest tonight, Bob Rush from hey. Dunkirk. From where? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the, from Dunkirk. The great town of Dunkirk. City of Dunkirk, actually. I'm not from the East or West town. I'm from the city of Dunkirk. I believe yeah, I'm from yeah. the... Uh, yeah, yeah sorry. Technical. I'm third ward, all right? Central Avenue and 7th? I don't fucking freaking know. Central Avenue. That's uh, where we're not. The only words people brag about Dunkirk are the first and the fourth. All the Polish people are the first and the fourth (laughs) ward. First ward, fourth ward, and I'm from the third ward, which doesn't get a lot of notoriety. I'm not sure where my parents lived. Right right by the fairgrounds? What ward is that? That's probably third ward. Up up Central Avenue is like third ward, I think. It's kind of weird if you look at it, the map and like who designed it, Helen Keller. I mean, seriously, <laughs> there, there's one. There's right a lot. There. <laughs> yeah, 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 there you go. There's a lot of wards in Buffalo too. I don't know what ward we're in. I don't know. Never knew. Never, it, never paid attention. It looks nicer over here now. I went to, like I said, I went to Buff State back from like '92 through '94, and uh, you know, you walked over this area like this is where you came to get crack. So uh, not that I know anything <laughs> about I mean, that. it's it's yeah. still here, just so you have to work, walk a little further, a little down. farther down. Yeah, well, it's yeah. better. The the old, uh, you know, the hospital up here for the uh, what would you call that? The politically correct thing to say it was a it was a mental hospital. Yeah, I guess yeah. it it was back then. It was really you know deteriorated, and uh, the patients would be walking around, and I'd be walking up Elmwood to go to Buff State, and uh, you know I walked back then, and uh, they're all over the place. You didn't take right. an Uber. Yeah, <laughs> 92, 93, no, there's no Uber. Uh, I, was a, I was a guy that w- wore shorts in the winter. That was me. Oh, yeah. I wore the jacket. You I wore, wore the long you denim wore, shorts. Denim shorts. You wore pants today. I was. I got pants on today. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thanks for noticing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's nice over here. Looks a lot better. <laughs> and then you had Elmwood Avenue over there, and uh, Coles is still there, it looks like. And uh, Mr. Yeah. Good Bar, that's still there. I haven't been over there lately. Good Bar. We, our favorites are Good Bar and uh, Gypsy Parlor on Grant, Grant oh, Street. Oh, really? Yeah. Because we're kind of in the middle, like, location-wise. Yeah, we went to Hot Mama's one time. That was okay. That Not place bad. is cool. I've only yeah. been Black there Rock. once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Black Rock's kind of cool. I never even knew. See, back then, I don't think anybody knew Black about Rock Black right Rock. Right yeah. I don't think nobody knew, like, it was called Black Rock back then. Like, nobody distinguished that's a part of Buffalo called Black Rock. We just yeah. said that's the shitty neighborhood. Don't go over there. <laughs> and uh, you know, so all right. Well, hey, we're uh, you're on here because you. Uh, oh, wait, this thing's on. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah, erase yeah. everything we just said, please. <laughs> you're uh, you're an actor. You're what a producer? When they let me, yeah. That's my um, name. I, you want to talk about uh, your school, or your acting class that you're trying to do? I'm not exactly sure what it what it entails, but I mean, I'm not either. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I, in Buffalo, downtown, I have a studio called uh, Acting Studio 716, and uh, that is where I teach. Uh, I, matter of fact, tomorrow night, we're back in for 2019, my ongoing scene study class, um, and we do Thursday nights there, 700 Main Street in Buffalo, on the sixth floor, right above uh, the matinee, beer and wine bar, about five doors down from Shays, something like that, nice. so it's right in the heart of the theater district, and... Um, yeah, I work with actors who have a little more experience in this class, and it's just ongoing. Each month, they normally just work on a scene for a whole month, like a long scene, mm-hmm. and develop the character, and and that's what we focus on: this character development. And then, I think in March, we're going to offer a six-week intro class and an eight-week intermediate class. I think that'll be Monday nights at um, the Alleyway Theater, which is next to Shays. They have classrooms there we use for that. And um, that's for people, of course, who are new or maybe have a little experience and want to do the intermediate class and just, you know, dip their toes in. Yeah, it's going really well. Um, this month will be a little little light because after the holidays, people are still in holiday mode. January's mm-hmm. always that way. But uh, I think once you get through this month, people are back like, oh, yeah, I need to get back in class and, and whatnot. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, I never thought I'd be a teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for something like that, can you just say, yo, I, I can do this, so I'm going to offer this? Or do you have to have, like, a certification? or No, no, I just... No, I um, when I came back here, I moved back to Western New York like three and a half years ago. It was July of two thousand and fifteen, uh, and just doing a little research on what people were offering for classes, um, it seemed like there was a lot of um, courses, like eight week courses, six week courses, et cetera, like we also do now. But I didn't see what was considered like an ongoing class, like each month you just come and go if you want to, you know, and you start over each month, which is kind of popular, at least out in L.A. And for my New York friends, I hear, this, hear the same thing, scene study. And so there's no, like, long commitment to it. Mm. And so I just uh, joined some acting groups on Facebook and just put my name out there and said, hey, I'm going to start teaching. And I wanted to offer a fair price. You know, people, it's not L.A. or New York, so people aren't here. The I don't want them to mortgage their house to take a class. It's, mm. it's very affordable. And so I started teaching, and um, I really like it. How long have you been I, doing that? This is now, September was two years. So, yeah, so we're in our, yeah. our third year now of doing this. So, yeah, it's going really well. I mean, you know, I'm not going to retire anytime soon from it, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a cool thing to offer. I think people who take the class seem to appreciate it, and I've made a lot of new friends. And what I always dig too is that you meet, you see the friendships that come out of the class too. Like a lot of people now are like really good friends who met each other in my class. And I always, I don't know, just kind of tickles me a little bit. I'm picturing that scene in um, The Disaster Artist when uh, Greg meets Tommy Wiseau. I I haven't seen Disaster Artist yet. But you know how I I know. I know know, that (laughs) billboard in LA was up of the. (laughs) Oh, you got to see that? No, I never saw. Here's, okay. So (laughs) those are the room, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you drove down, I think it was by Sunset and La Brea, there was a billboard. It was up for like at least two, three years <laughs> in the early 2000s or whenever the movie came out. There was a picture of that guy, Tommy, just looking all, like kind, one of trying his, to look cool. One of his eyes is yeah. like Yeah, but weird. he's trying to look cool. And it said The Room. And I'm thinking, I really I really thought, oh, this must be like some 
film that did well at Cannes or something, or, <laughs> and uh, can kind of whatever. And um, we knew it's it like yeah, and you know was doing well. Mm-hmm. They put money into a billboard on a sunset in La Brea, which has got to be super expensive. It was right. there forever. <laughs> well, apparently, was, this guy just had a bottomless pit of money, man. Apparently, <laughs> he had the money to do that, and that's brilliant. I've never seen the movie itself, so I, I want to. You haven't seen what, the room either. So what I want to do is I want to watch the room. I want to do a one night double feature. Mm-hmm. I want to watch the room and then watch the, the disaster artist. I need to have my girlfriend. Uh, be excited for that. So uh, I got to talk her into it. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. If she's listening, I, I assume she's going to check out yeah. check out what you're doing here. It is the best movie. The Disaster Artist is okay, but the room itself, it is awesome. It's, it's so bad. It's, it's great. so bad. It's great. And I would watch in that order to the room and then the yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to doing that. I um, right now I'm, I'm getting some screeners from SAG to vote on, and so I. I just got a few so far, so I watched uh, The Wife last night with Glenn Close. Outstanding movie. I highly recommend it. Okay, cool. You're going to dig it. Uh, so that was my first one down, so I got a bunch more to watch now. So, But yeah, I'm going to get that done at one of these days. <laughs> one of these days, movie day. So. <laughs> but yeah, back to the, the class. Yeah, I, back to the class. I, so, well, I was just going to... I had a question about like the people that are in it. Cause is, does that mean that you... The, the fact that you get people to do it around here, does that mean like there's like a kind of a... Like a scene in Buffalo happening? Yeah, there's actually a nice I know they're nice filming theater. newer movies now. Well, there's right? a nice theater scene in Buffalo. Okay. It's been going on for quite a while. Um, it's uh, I don't fully agree with everything, how they do things, but it's not my business. It's not my scene. Uh, uh, they really... I, it just cracks me up, and I, it's not a criticism. It just makes me laugh because I, I know why they do it. But they cast people like really early on. Like one of my students... Um, uh, Tony Grande, I don't think you mind me saying his name, he's a really good actor. Um, last year, uh, got cast in a big show at a big theater coming up next June, and he auditioned like, got booked like literally a year early. They booked him out a year early because they want to make sure your schedule is clear and you're committed. Mm-hmm. So, what they like to do is, though, they, they kind of do that because there's a certain core of actors I think a lot of people like to share <laughs> in this town. So, um, right now, there's an audition coming up called Tab Theater Alliance Buffalo at the end of the month that a lot of my students are getting ready for. And uh, I auditioned for it a couple of times. Love know I'm out here, but I'm not able to do it this year. But um, so, but they, they really book you out really early. And it's a nice scene. And then there's also yeah, there's films coming to town. Uh, last year wasn't as much. 2017 was really busy here. And then last year, not quite as much. But I don't know what's coming up on, on this year. Um, hopefully my film, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute, I'm sure, um, the Dunkirk project, we call it. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, my students, you know, I, I teach them a lot of times students, they, they see, they get the bug, you know, because they want, they do like extra work in a film or something and they want to be an actor all of a sudden they want to take classes. So I get them in there and then they'll say something like, well, I don't want to do theater work. I'm like, well, there's really... Acting is acting, is why I try to explain to them. I'm not here to teach you. There's no difference. The only thing is, you know, is working on camera, you know, we're going to pull you back a little bit expression-wise and stuff like that. But, you know, there's, there's tricks to that. But uh, so I get them all, you know, we use normally scenes from plays, and then once in a while we'll get a scene from a movie or something. And then once in a while I do a workshop, a one-night workshop, where I teach them how to audition on camera as well. And so that's more geared for them if they want to audition for the films that are coming to town. So, yeah, it's, it's a really... That's kind of what I'm, if you call me, if I specialize in anything, uh, audition technique on cameras. Mm-hmm. I was teaching a class in L.A. for a while with my 
pal Charlene Tilton. If you guys are a little younger, remember her from Dallas back in the day. Real pretty Lucy Ewing. He watched Dallas back in the day, apparently. Lucy, Lucy Ewing, blonde, real, real pretty young one. Yeah. If I, friend, if I saw her, I would know her. Yeah, you recognize her second, Charlene. She's a good friend of mine. And uh, I taught a class with her because I was coaching her uh, out of the blue in L.A., sometimes for auditions. And she's like, oh, you really need to be teaching this. And so I, we started teaching together. And then I uh, actually, Fredonia at the time, theater program, flew me in twice from L.A. to work with their students, their, their student uh uh, I don't know, student body, uh, they have like a, a group at the college and they actually paid to fly me in to nice. work with them for like a long weekend. Cool. Like that. So it's kind of cool. So those workshops are pretty cool. Uh, I think people really get a lot out of them. I, I think they get a lot out of the ongoing scene study class. And, uh, you know, I I sometimes, you can see me as I talk now, I, I my biggest fear of teaching was worrying about getting what comes into my head out of my mouth. I I, I don't know if I really articulate well my thoughts sometimes, and it's you know, it is what it is, and so it's it's kind of forced me to do that, and I think my students get this about me and they appreciate it. You know, it's like I tell them, I said, listen, I'm really bad sometimes, so sometimes give me a second. The thoughts there, I gotta go find it, pull it out, and articulate it very well, and uh, and when it works, it works really well. So it's it's kind of cool. Nice, cool. So you want to start talking about demolition? What is it? Demolition dance, right? Demolition Dance, the story of David and Dan from Dunkirk versus the punk-ass bitch. That is the full title of the movie, a.k.a. the Dunkirk Project. We've called it for years. I did watch the uh, the little video you made. The, the promo to, trailer? To get the uh, yeah. investors. What do you think? It looks awesome. Now, for those of you who think this is just another overcoming the odds, smash up car movie, this is where the curveball happens. Because I can't compete, I need to find someone who can. And it needs to be family. Because this movie's definitely about family. So meet the true hero of this film. Thanks. My cousin, David Glow. That's short for Gowinski. See, years ago, David moved to New York City and became a real famous dance choreographer. You might recognize some of the people he's worked with. But lately, his career's been in a tank. And to make a long story short, including the entire first act, you guessed it. David ends up being the one who has to drive in a demolition derby to save our family garage. See? I told you it was a curveball. I mean, I, I assume you had to like kind of put your own resources into making that. Luckily, I was given I mean, looks, a little, I was given a little seed money. Okay, it looks great. And then the uh, good people at Elman's Garage, uh, Todd Elman and family, uh, and Jim and everybody there were uh, kind enough to let me use their garage and let me use their um, their uh, junkyard. I guess you call it, uh, which they just bought, which is full of cars and stuff. And we had everything we needed. Uh, Hank Pensick, a uh, great guy. Um, Dunkirk Fireman, uh, who's like their major car builder, their main guy. So they're all, there'll be people I'll be using in the film, especially. And uh, yeah, we put together a cool little film. We shot it, you know, one one day. Uh, James Sharp, my uh, co-writer, and he'll be directing the film. I was able to fly him in uh, with the seed money so we could do that, plus also do another pass on the script um, at the time. And, uh, I, I, you know, I put the website together and, uh, you know, so far it, it's work. It, it works really nice. It's www.demolitiondancefilm.com. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. The front page is automatically starts playing the trailer for you when you open it up. So it's nice. And then you can go on all the other pages and read about the film. Uh, read about the outline of the story. Then you can read about, you know, why people should invest in it. And when I say people, this is not a GoFundMe, by the way. So I make that very clear. Uh, sometimes people will call and go, hey, I'd love to invest in your film. I got 50 bucks, and I yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> I really do. And down the road, we might need that $50. Um, right now, these are like 
pretty large substantial investors we're looking for so uh, to get the film up and off on its feet but I might if I need that last 50 grand or so I might do like a uh, crowdsourcing or something so stay tuned it, it might be pretty cool it might be a good way to get, get cool yourself on the, get yourself on the thank, thank you list in the credits or something something <laughs> might be it might be a package might be a deal where you just you know a lot of times people love to collect I me mean, look around me here and you know it'd be kind of cool to have a, a signed poster hanging up or something you know stuff like that um mm-hmm. Maybe a signed uh, a signed DVD when it comes out, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, be it, maybe in the movie, all sorts of different things we can we can come up with. To, people love that stuff. They do. Yeah, they do. for sure. So, yeah, I see a lot of people. I just my thing is, do I know enough people that would be interested in it? I just do. I think it would take off if I released it to all the Dunkirk folks. So, hey man, share this and you know, like minimum twenty five bucks for something, and then up to maybe no more than a hundred or so, you know, like that to put into it. So we'll see. We'll see. There'll also be opportunities for local businesses to uh, advertise and market themselves in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a whole uh, track there at the county fair product, to use. Product placement. Product placement. Yeah, they're actually, I'm using more of the product placement right now for some of uh, people I'm talking to about investing, but uh, just putting banners up at a track. Uh, I'm going to be offering that for local businesses and nice. stuff like that. They can pay to have the, you know, you know, a small price, and they'll get the banner put up at the track at a demo track. So it'll be kind of cool. Well, the uh, Dave, you who you know, uh, usually is here today. Yeah. He had to work though, mm-hmm. but uh, he was part of the. Uh, I I I hope you you uh, heard about it when when the uh, his fake newspaper said that they were shutting down the demolition derby <laughs> and everyone got all up in arms. You know, what happened? No, he had, a, he had a, you know he had like an onion style website. Oh, he did. I don't think I knew about the this. Chadwick Bay Guardian. Oh wait, I did hear about this. Yeah, <laughs> and like, oh, he, was, I didn't even know that was Dave's. Actually, was I, don't Dave, think, I don't think Garrett told me. He, that. Made, he made a fake <laughs> thing about the demolition derby getting canceled. Everyone's all pissed off because they thought it was real. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> but people that's just to, people trying to beat him up. It's a credit to how much people love the demolition derby. The Elmans and the Clemens all went after. Him. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's funny. Um, that stuff makes me laugh. Yeah, um, for sure. Now, nah, demolition derbies are fun, man. I I, um, I I like them for somebody who never actually jumped into car and decided. I never had money to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, back then, like people, like the rule kind of was, you know, I spend more than a hundred bucks or something. Now it's gotten out of control. My God, the amount of money Hank and, and Todd never tell me people put in the cars. It's like to to win like a thousand at most or something. Yeah. Most you win a thousand, and, you know. But it's but it's competitive. They don't do it for the money. It's more for the the trophy and stuff like that. And they just love doing it. So mm-hmm. it's an adrenaline rush, they say. And so I'm sure we'll have to, you know, if we get closer to it, I'm sure we'll take some practice hits in a car or something where we're getting ready for it. Uh, God knows, they got a lot of cars in the Elmans over there, so uh, <laughs> a lot of cars in that yard. But uh, yeah, it was a. The, well, the I mean, trail turned out well. Hopefully, it's, uh, it'll be the next gun in sixty seconds. <laughs> yeah, it'd be it'd be nice. A lot of people. There's a little kind of shout out to Toby Halicki in this yeah. film. Um, it'll get with re- the cars remade in about twenty years, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, make, I'll make nothing. And uh, <laughs> Nick, Nick Cage yeah. will be in it. <laughs> Nick Cage will be. Yeah, Nick Cage is, <laughs> he'll still be acting. Yeah, he'll have a nice full head of hair and he'll be in it, and uh, it'll be great. Yeah, no CGI. The the the, the biggest stunt of the movie that that, that pissed me off. <laughs> when I CGI'd that jump at the end of that, I was like, yeah. come on, dude. Yeah, at the end of the, the one Nick Cage did, yeah. I was like, come on, man. He couldn't jump the car. It looked so horrible. It just, you couldn't do the <laughs> jump. It looked pretty bad. You it looked, be, you, it just ruined it. You could have been on a unicorn for all we know. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you couldn't just get in the car. I mean, I, I know a bunch of stuntmen out in L.A., I and mean, there's guys out there that would make, do that jump in a second, mm-hmm. you know. But I don't know. They didn't want to do it, so. 
What was the character's name in Death Proof? Stuntman Mike. Oh yeah, yeah. he would have done it. Oh yeah, he Stuntman would. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I knew some stuntmen out in L.A. I know this one guy, uh, Ken Bates is his name. He's famous in the world of stunts. He's the one that did all the stunts um, for uh, for Bruce Willis and everybody in Die Hard. And he's the one that created the mechanism that allowed at a time when uh, okay, you guys know who's the bad guy's name and and and, and uh, the Russian guy in that one and Die Hard. Yeah. The oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, I'll, I'll think of it. Well, at the end when he falls off and he gets shot and he comes off the building like whoa and he had that shot. Well, that time, that building, that's the, um, I'm pretty sure that's the Dark Tower Universal is where they shot that at, uh, which if you ever go to L.A., you go into 101, you drive right by it. When you go by Universal City, it's like their headquarters. My, my old roommate, Anthony, works there. And so they, it was too tall for them to use an airbag, what Hans. they wanted to do. Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. Got it. That's right. <laughs> shoot the glass. Shoot the glass. Shoot the glass. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um. They uh, he developed this thing. It was a it was a really thin wire, and it was a pulley system that made the guy fall. And he didn't have like I mean he's had like a high school degree, I believe, Kenny. I'm pretty sure, but he's really like a genius when it comes to numbers. And he developed this thing with the weight and the pull and the force that it's it's called it's so called the base decelerator. I think it's called. Everybody used it ever since. But um, that was the first time it was used was in that movie, hmm. and. I mean, he was nuts, man. I mean, I taught this guy, and like he'd go, come on, come on, Bob, do it, do it. He'd pick his arm up. He'd want me to punch him as hard as I could in the ribs. And I, he, he would. He'd be like, yeah, yeah. And I just go, like, he'd be, <laughs> he'd come to my bar uh, I used to work at. And so it was like, nutty dude, man. Like, and it's just, I think you have to be to kind of do that job. He got me, uh, at the time when I was bartending at his place, and I didn't even have a lot of money. He did a really sweet thing for me. He uh, got me a day of stunts on... Um, the Italian job, the Mark Wahlberg film, when they remade it nice. with Mark Wahlberg. And all I did was go downtown L.A. It was like a Sunday. And um, it was totally deserted down there. And they shot all the scenes with the helicopter chasing those those little, um, what cars are those? Mini Coopers. Coopers. Mini Coopers. Yeah. And it was cool to watch. And all I did was get in one, I think, in a Camaro, with an old Camaro with one of the stunt guys. And we banged into a car. And that's it. And I still get checks to this day. Really? There's residual, residual <laughs> check, like I said. And, um, and, but what's it's cool about that hard, was watching helicopters. It's a hard word to pronounce. Yeah. They had the best, <laughs> um, the best helicopter pilot in the world time for that. He would be hovering around downtown LA. Now, downtown LA is interesting. It's a lot different now. This is like about 2002, mm-hmm. where now it's like more, more people live down there now. But at the time, it was really just. Some people lived down there, but mostly it was for, you know, commercial buildings and stuff like that. So it was almost empty on a Sunday. And it's not nearly as big as you think it is, downtown L.A., okay? So, but there's a lot of tall buildings, but they're all kind of tight together. And he's hovering around, and I remember the director, um, uh, I think it was actually Kenny, his second unit, was doing it, which is all the stunts. And, you know, they do action and you see the Coopers, we're watching it come down. And this dude came down right between the buildings. And I'm not kidding you guys. He was maybe 30 feet off the ground, like tilted like this, chasing these guys and turning corners with Holy them. shit. I mean, literally, he probably had about 40, 50 feet either way on buildings. That's crazy. I might be exaggerating, but I mean, it looked like 
one slip of the wrist and he's dead and people all around him are dead because he's going to go yeah. off into the building and the blades are going to cut me in half. And uh, But it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Look at uh, that film, too. I mean, that was a good... Yeah, it was, it was a great scene. sequence. Great action. The movie was okay, but it was a great action sequence at the end and uh, that was really cool to watch him shoot that, so... There's a story for you. How's that, huh? That's podcast. Hey, <laughs> podcasting. Podcasting. For the win. That's Does right. it work like that with most movies where you like do something and then you just continue to get paid for it for throughout the years? Yeah, in a union. Yeah. Yeah, I was in... Um, I shot still photos playing a zombie. You'll know this one. From a movie that uh, Keanu Reeves did when he was the um, zombie killer. It was a comic book. It didn't do Constantine? very well. Constantine. So I'm in Constantine, technically. But I don't think they used the shots we did. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a bunch of still photos of me. So I got to hang out with Keanu Reeves one day under the boardwalk in Santa Monica. And I was dressed up like a zombie. And um, we were fighting him and whoever his sidekick was, the African-American actor. I can't think of his name. Um, and um, it was all like still photos. And they're supposed to use it. And I'll, when I saw the movie, it, it didn't get used, but I still get checks. Yeah. Hey. The movie didn't do very well. But okay. I, I, I was like, oh, free it's lunch. It's no John Wick. <laughs> old I, yeah. I haven't watched those, but apparently they're great John, John Wick movies. movies. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen them either. I can't take it seriously. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Doing the... the I heard they're redoing Bill and Ted. Is that true? Do you know? I've heard they've taught. They keep saying they've been talking about it, but... I uh, be, be had to be a really good script. I'm assuming for them to want to do it. Well, I'm sure. Which one did he play, Bill or Ted? Oh, I don't. I can't well, remember. the other guy, Bill, sure. S. Tes- Bill S. Preston Esquire. I think that was, was the other he was guy. Ted Theodore Logan. I think. Yeah. Well, the other guy, I'm sure, would like to do it. If guy, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm in. <laughs> script. Who needs a script? He was that's in that in uh, Lost Boys. That's all I know. <laughs> he's he's worth it. Actually, I'm just joking. I'd love. Believe me, I wish I had his career. Um, but uh, yeah, um, and. Uh, at the time, I we Keanu and me had a mutual friend who directed him in a another film he did. But he's very not unapproachable, but very chill. Like he's smoking a cigarette, and I'm in a zombie outfit. I'm like, hey, you know, I can't remember the guy's name now. He was a guy. He's cut my bar. He's got a lot of industry people in this bar I worked at. So, and uh, Hollywood, you know, sad types and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I made it one time with Keanu Reeves, and now I'm shooting porn. <laughs> he, he literally was shooting porn. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, it was a, I'm sure there's money in that. Not people, really. He was a raging alcoholic. No, because uh, I, I figured people pay for porn. We don't. No, I, I go free on porn, but I don't know how anybody, some people pay. I don't know why anybody <laughs> would anymore. Um, yeah, no. This guy literally shot a movie, and I can't. I don't even know his name, so it wouldn't matter. But I'm not going to get myself in trouble here. But and he was like, he and he he had a connection. I think his family member or something was a big shot at some studio. Got him into this and he ended up shooting a movie with Keanu Reeves and it was actually at when it opened up the number one movie in America for one weekend did okay and then basically he just drank himself out of a career God, and it sucks and you know but, good, but a good tipper I was really <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad I feel bad I kept serving him but he was it was a bar and uh, he literally then started working for a guy we knew that the bar who started producing porn and mm-hmm. There asked me if I wanted to work with them too. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Somehow my mom will find out if I'm, if I'm shooting or directing anything involved in porn. Oh, nobody will know. Come on, you make two hundred dollars. You work around. It's if like they have a- four hours worth of work, Bob. We just need you to be there, and you know, blah blah blah. blah. I'm like, yeah, no. I said, <laughs> not that I'm judging. I said, I'm believe me, I'm not judging anything. I, I said, but you don't know my mom. 
She will somehow find out. I'm not kidding you. And she will come here and she will kill you. <laughs> and then she will kill me. Trying to do like a fake, a fake name. Yeah, it would, it would somehow she still would, wouldn't still wouldn't have uh, the somehow still figure it out somehow some way uh, mere reflection of my nose will get in that shot <laughs> and somehow some way someone's gonna recognize it and next thing you know someone's gonna leave an anonymous letter at my parents' house and next thing you know she's flying to L A and is gonna go crazy crazy on everybody around her crazy chimp strength crazy on everybody yeah. within distance <laughs> yeah. So the answer was no. Um, so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, how do we get on this topic, anyways? How did I go from here? Um, Keanu like, Reeves. I, I don't oh, know. Oh, movies. Uh, yeah, 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 movies and stuff. Yeah. No, <laughs> how you made money. So, anyways, uh, I was in Constantine. Apparently, <laughs> sorry. Oh, yeah, I asked about. Oh the, yeah, the, the residuals. The residuals. Yeah, you get. It was a lot nicer before SAG and AFTRA, American Federation Television Radio Artists, merged. Um, they had to back when I was out in L.A. But when SAG was just SAG, the residuals were way better. I made more money on a one-line role on Will and Grace and Desperate Housewives than I ever made on much larger roles, which were after contracts at a time. So it's for just Sons of Anarchy like, and um, for um, Sunny in Philadelphia. So it's like whenever, like let's say that episode, your Will and Grace episode gets. Aired in syndication or something. So yeah. That's how it works. So it has I to still get, get paid. I shot it's that in aired. 2005. And I still get little <laughs> checks here or there. I'm like, oh, there's lunch. There's, you know, there's like a tank of gas, I would say, you know. Yeah, like $20 a year or something there. I haven't gotten, you don't get big checks. In there. No, I checks nowadays. I only got, only right now, I've been gone for three and a half years, and I think Thunderman's is off the air now. So I think the only thing I got going now of shows that I was on is Sunny Philadelphia and Mom, the show Mom. I was on Mom. One, one line so like the stuff like that because I don't know, doesn't FF, uh, FXX do the like the streaming thing? So let's say someone yeah, you watches, get paid, you get paid crap for that. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, if it was a sad contract back in the day, it was a lot more. I don't know the inside now to the whole thing or details. What happened? All I know is that they had to do something because. SAG really misplayed their hand in that whole thing, and they didn't think after originally it was meant for like video. SAG was everything shot on film. That's how they legally determined it, apparently. Mm -hmm. So AFTRA was like news host or members of AFTRA. News, like, you know, Irv Weinstein was an AFTRA member, probably. And uh, soap operas. So they paid crap. Well, what happened was, all of a sudden, things started going to digital video in the late 90s and so. And more and more shows started going to video. The guys got, you know, a, a, a better product, you know, a better quality to shoot on. And... Uh, and all of a sudden, people just started using after contracts. Well, they paid crap. Then all of a sudden, everybody just got rid of film. There's no point in having film anymore. And SAG was, you know, left, you know, twiddling their thumbs, and there's nothing they could do about it. And so after it's like, you know, we're basically taking all these shows. We should merge. And they wanted to merge with SAG years ago, and then SAG kind of, you know, sniffed their thumb at it, mm -hmm. you know, you know, stuffed their nose at them a little bit, and um, well, they paid for it. And basically, we got screwed pretty bad, the actors, because you didn't make the amount of money you did anymore. Mm. You know, it's like you, you'd work. Uh, and plus, the, the industry changed, too. Like, if you did a show, you'd expect it to rerun again on network at least once in the summer. Well, then they started doing 
other shows in the summer and it stopped. When was the last time you see a show get rerun hardly anymore in the summer, like on network TV? Well, I don't. They don't. They, I don't watch TV anymore. Yeah. Well, they. they well, they, <laughs> I don't really much either. But I mean, I watch cable shows and stuff. But they network TV nowadays will rather do like another show for the summertime, like a, a talent show or something. Right. Or, so they're not even rerunning anymore. So you normally you can expect to get paid like twice, like the full contract. You know, if you worked like you know one day. Uh, and it even got like to eight hundred and something dollars, which was union status. You know, they expected another check like that to come in later on. They expected double that, and then you know, then it break down like a few hundred bucks here or there. And then next thing you know, you know, years down the road, you're making two cents. You know, <laughs> but uh, I have a check for a penny at home sitting there that I haven't nice. cashed yeah, <laughs> or something. So, so well, can we can we talk about it's always sunny a little bit because Let's talk about it's always sunny. Um, I looked at. I knew you were in that show, and I knew you were in Sons of Anarchy, but pretty much everything else I wasn't sure about. Like, I looked at your IMDb, and it's, you know, you've been at least in one episode of, of a lot of shows, and these yeah. are these are big shows. Yeah. Like, network shows that people watch. Real shows. But it's always sunny. I mean, that's, like, at least comedy, like, probably yeah. top five comedies of all time for me, at least. So, I mean, believe that, it's, yeah. a good, it's a good show, and, you know. I was lucky to be on a really cool episode, too. I got lucky. Uh, interesting was, enough right. yeah that was the first episode i ever tried to watch i was like you know back really? in the day when you used to flip through yeah. tv channels i was like you know what i heard this show was good and that's the one i stopped on i didn't obviously at the time didn't know it was you but yeah. which season was that three season three i believe yeah hmm. it was the second one where devito came in so yeah and um yeah i think when dan devito joined the show it really helped i guess his daughter was a fan of the first season oh, yeah. showed it to him and somehow his people reached out to him and said hey if Dan Vito would mind working with you guys and the show really likes it. And they're like, yeah. And they worked everything out to make it cool to work for him, his schedule. And he's been in ever since. Um, yeah, it was a cool episode. Um, I had done a, uh, what was called a casting director workshop, which is a very taboo thing now I talk about in LA. Um, and uh, I was luckily, I was a member of this group that did those that was really hard to get into. It was called Real Pros. I get to audition. To get in, and basically what you do is then you go and you pay to do these workshops where casting directors come in and meet you. Well, luckily, Real Pros was like the be- probably the best one in the city at the time. Uh, you had to audition to get in. It was really hard. I'd, I had to audition three times to get into it. I met the casting director's assistant, uh, Wendy O'Brien is her name, and uh, she's actually from across the lake over here, Niagara, Niagara Falls, Niagara on Lake or something. I think she's from. Nice. nice. They brought me in um, like a month later, and um, that was in... 2007 so around that time I met him and uh, they needed like a big guy who looked kind of inbred and uh, <laughs> there you go and um, may I submit Bob Rush hello <laughs> have you met Bob Rush <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I luckily had seen the show so I knew about it and thought it was pretty funny and so I just went back online and um, looked up episodes and saw who the McPoyles were Saw the unibrow. I don't think I mascared a unibrow. I can't remember if I did or not. But I remember coming up with a character, and I put a headband on myself. It was a, what was it? I think I had a, a headband, a tie around like bandana, oops, with a uh, a, a Japanese star, like or a red moon or whatever on there. Like it was a, something, <laughs> eight, you know, Far East or something. And I had like cut off sweatpants, or like sweatshirt, so my arms were all hot. At that time, I was in good shape. I was... Uh, and training for a play where I played a boxer, so I was boxing and I was really in good shape. And uh, and like sweatpants, they were a little too small on me. <laughs> and um, just kind of did my thing and just made it a character, and they liked it. And so 
There you go. So you kind of created that character, essentially. They said, do something and... Well, yeah. I mean, you take the... What they give you is called sides, which are uh, you know pages from the script to work on. And I think the audition was the bus scene where they first meet him. Hey, man, stop smoking, will you? Some of us are trying to make the team. <laughs> are you kidding me, bro? No. Guy, if you think you're actually going to make the Philadelphia Eagles, then you're pathetic. You're pathetic. No, you're pathetic. No, you sport. are. You're pathetic. You're pathetic. You're the one who was pathetic. Whatever, man. When I'm done with this tryout, you'll go back to your sad, pitiful life, and I'll be on the Eagles. And everybody in Philadelphia will know the name Mick Poyle. What'd you say your name is? Mick Poyle. Doyle. Mick Poyle. Brown. Yeah. The eczema. He's definitely the McBoyle. There are so many of those people. He's talking to him. He's like, you know, and it's Doyle. Doyle McBoyle. <laughs> like that or something. And uh, and they're like, uh, well, yeah, no. He, your sad, pitiful life. He didn't. They didn't know you were a McPoyle until you started talking shit. And then you were like, everyone's gonna know my know the name McPoyle. And he's like, they're like, wait, what? What's yep. your What's your name? And then they put it together. McPoyle. That you're a McPoyle. Yeah, yeah. Fred Savage. Fred Savage directed the episode. From oh yeah. And so I remember his only direction was, yeah, when you do the McPoyle, Doyle McPoyle, it's like James Bond. And I'm like, oh, that's it. <laughs> I, I got the joke. Well, um, I rewatched the episode just, you know, in preparation. Yes. Um, you get shot at the end of the se- yeah. at the end of the episode. Yeah. And I was trying to remember if if uh, Frank has ever actually shot anyone else. I think you might be the only one he actually shot because he pulls he's, his gun out a lot. Yeah, he just waves it around usually. It usually doesn't go off. Yeah. So I think you might be the only one who gets shot by Frank. I'm honored. That's cool. Danny Vito's a cool guy. <laughs> he really does nice seem guy. Cool. Yeah, I uh, got to hang with him, if you call it, a little bit twice. The, what happens is they shot, we shot the football scene in L.A., I think it was like March or something, or April. And then at the end of the year, what they would do, I'm not sure if they still do this, I think they do, is they'd go to Philadelphia for two weeks and shoot all the exterior scenes for all the episodes. So they, and then in June, so they flew me, First class, by the way, first time, only time I ever flew first class to Philadelphia for two nights, and I shot the scene, and that's when I um, hung out with uh, Faison Love, who was on the episode with me. If you don't know Faison, um, yeah, from Friday and everything, he played the coach on that. It was pretty funny. We we remember him from Made, the yeah. movie Made. I don't know if you've ever seen that no. with John Favreau and Vince Vaughn. Oh yeah, he's, he's good friends with those guys. He actually mm-hmm. took me to a party at John Favreau's house. Nice one time. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, dropping names, dropping names, dropping <laughs> names. Anyways, I forget about these things until you mention it. Um, but yeah, and um, so I hung out with Faison, and I didn't really know that he was so well-known. So we were going around town, and people were like going crazy when they met him. We were in Philly hanging out. And I was Did like, Elf come out by then? Because he was yeah. an Elf. Yeah, I think people Elf had lo- come out, but so I didn't People really love know. him in Elf. Six-inch ribbon curls, honey. That's impossible. Six- I was his, but I was like his entourage. It was like me and him were just hanging out and going to bars and stuff. Because I only shot. We got there that day, late afternoon, at a really nice hotel downtown. And then we went out that night, him and I. But the next day, our call time wasn't too early. And we had to go. They, they set up outside the Lincoln Stadium where the Philadelphia Eagles play. The Link, they call it. And then they put me on a bus and drove me all around Philadelphia. And they shot the scene, the bus scene. So they flew me cross country to put me on a bus. Which could have been shot anywhere, but I'll take it. It was great. Hell yeah! So and then at night we went out and partied more, and then that was a night. Uh, you know, we saw everybody was drinking. It was it was the last day of shooting, so they were partying. 
and uh, got to talk to DeVito a little bit. And then when they did the Nightman tour, they came to L.A. I did not get invited to it. I actually bought my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I called my manager, agent time. I, said, can, can, I knew they were coming. I'm like, can somebody get me a ticket to this, you think? And they didn't even try. I was like, come on, man. So I got my own ticket. And then people there, my buddy and I were there. And some people were talking to. And then when word got out who I was, somehow I got pulled up to the after party with everybody. And I was talking to them, everybody again. And I remember at the time, uh, hang out with DeVito. And he was literally drinking uh, this Italian lemon liqueur. And he was drinking out of the bottle. And Rhea Perlman was there, his wife, you know, <laughs> from Cheers. And she was really sweet. And all you could do, I remember, like, hey, big guy, come here. And I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, I don't really feel special. Is it ever be a big guy? And he was like, <laughs> like four foot ten or something. He's really small. Great guy, though, really nice and nice to meet, humble, cool, fun. And uh, they're having a good time. That was a really cool tour. If you see I, it, they I don't Nightman. know anything about it. So. Oh, they did Nightman. Mm-hmm. They, they like toured a like musical? a musical? Live, like a, live musical, right. and they took it and did like five cities. <laughs> <laughs> then it came. It went to New awesome. York, Chicago, Philadelphia, somewhere else, and somewhere else, and then it ended up in LA. Never and, Buffalo uh, on that kind of stuff. Nah, <laughs> not, sorry, not going to come to Buffalo. <laughs> and uh, all I remember that night was looking back at it. I don't know what was going on with me, but I had been dating somebody, and she bought me a really tacky looking. Uh, what were those like? Uh, UFC shirts. What was this? What was that? The brand tap name? out, not tap out. Worse. But it's something like that. No, worse. It was like a really ugly shirt with like <laughs> it literally had wings that went out like this. Uh. Invincible or not, what was it called? Uh, episode. Uh, oh, the the episode yeah. was called. But it had the like, game a, it gets like a gray. Yeah, like a gray, like white gray shirt. It was some brand name that got popular for a while. Where like, like you think something from Jersey Shore wear. And I was like, at the time, it. like I was like, you know, in, like thinner and in good shape. And so I wore it to this thing. <laughs> and looking back at myself, I'm like, why the fuck was I wearing this thing? Like, what the hell's wrong with me? And uh, no wonder everybody's looking at me kind of weird. I looked like an idiot probably in this damn shirt, but I was drunk and I didn't care. I was having fun talking to Danny DeVito. But yeah, so did that. And uh, it was a cool experience. I'm glad people... Uh, like that performance and like that episode so much. Doyle McPoyle. Doyle McPoyle. And he gets mentioned during that um, the court case episode. I think it was last oh, the, season. The World Series uh, when they with the big hands. I heard I got, <laughs> oh, no, I heard no, I no, got no. mentioned uh, either at the wedding or people always ask like, "Why was you at the wedding?" I'm like, "I have no fucking idea why I went at the wedding." I think I was just used kind of as a prop for the one mm-hmm. episode to get them to the, the McPoyles there. The football they thing. should have been in the wedding, but no, I'm talking about the episode the where they said I run a fur shop or something. Somebody told me I didn't a see a fur it. shop. Yeah, yeah. What, what was it? They said, "Yeah, I have no idea what happened." Mm-hmm. I didn't see it. Um, I have a receipt for a mink coat recently purchased by a Bill Ponderosa to be delivered to a D Reynolds. A gift? Yes. I had a birthday. Six months ago. Are you aware that the coat was purchased at Doyle McPoyle's Trappings and Fur? No. Or that the coat was not made of mink at all, but rather made of muskrat? Muskrat? But uh, somebody said you got mentioned. I'm like, oh, great. Where's the check? I I should have I should have paid more attention because I can't remember exactly what was said. But I wish, like, I wish I got paid every time I was mentioned on Sons of Anarchy. That would have been nice because I got mentioned all the time in that show. Like you know, call Skeeter, call Skeeter, because you know if I type a dead body or had to be removed or something, it was like, ugh. 
Well, in that first step, first season, you were in like in the show right away, right? Second episode, yeah. Second was, episode, and for they, the cast, it was actually the first episode after they shot the pilot. They got picked up, so mm-hmm. they're back that first week working together for the first time, really, since the pilot, which would have been like you know a couple months earlier or something. They uh, so they're all you know punch each other in the arm, not testosterone in that set, man. Let me tell you, it's like I feel like that's the only like. Of your, like, let's just look at your IMDb credits. I think that was the only two. It's Always Sunny and Sons of Anarchy are the only ones I actually watched. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of the other shows. You didn't watch Thunderman? No. No. I don't know what that is. You don't have kids. (laughs) And, like, you mentioned Will and Grace, and there was uh, a couple other ones I recognize, and I'm like, I don't ever watch those. I was on Cold Case. I played a pedophile. Cold Case is another one I just never played, or I never watched those kind of shows. That was really creepy. (laughs) Yeah. You get an inbred pedophile. Type. Yeah. So let's just see what I played known for. I played an inbred football player. I played a creepy mortician. And I played a pedophile. Yeah. Hey, whatever whatever gets you those. This checks, from the right? guy that this from the guy that had a hard time not accepting he was gonna be not gonna be a leading man. And like, yeah. I mean it didn't have to be that bad, you know. But, yeah, but what what was it in Sons of Anarchy? Didn't you like cut off a, a dead woman's breast and, and a sent thumb a thumb or something too? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. I didn't personally. No, I mean, no, it would have no. kind of cool if they let me. <laughs> but um, yeah, they did that. It was an episode when they needed to part. I think it was when. Spoiler alert! If you don't haven't watched all the episodes, when Opie died, um, I brought the body, and um, then afterwards, the package showed up, and it was from Skeeter. We actually had a line, Charlie and me, uh, Jax, that got cut. I mean, it didn't need to be there really, but he like. Did you get to note or something like that, or what I need or something? Or and I'm like, yeah, it's on. I'm taking care of it or something. Mm-hmm. It was actually when they were pulling Opie's body out, but they they cut that part out. But you know, yeah. So it didn't I mean, need to be there. It's, it's cool. I mean, recurring character. Five, ep- five shot five episodes. One got the storyline went a completely different direction. So they cut a bunch of scenes out. They were shooting at a time in that script. So if you look it up, it says four, but technically I shot five. Yeah, it was kind of cool. I. I it was the first first season, and then I didn't get called again until season four. When I watched the blue, when I first started that show, I don't remember why I even tried it because like I just thought it was going to be dumb because you know, yeah. bikers and whatever. But it was a fucking awesome show. Yeah, a lot of people really <laughs> their, their fan that that's like the most loyal fan base. Like they people get the tattoos, and I mean I think people really thought that. They're like joining like a an MC or something, <laughs> which 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 guys I meet who are like in in MCs, you know, aren't really too thrilled about. It. I'm always nervous if I meet somebody real. I don't tell them this one's of anarchy if they're in a real MC motorcycle club because it could go either way. It could be like, yeah, we watch a show, or you know, you guys were fucking assholes. I'm gonna beat your ass. You know, I'm like so. I mean, people oh, really. Yeah, we, me, me, him, and my my other friend, we bought um, leather vests. I don't even know. I don't remember why we did it. We just thought vest it was whole, or cuts. 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 We just thought of the, it thought on, get, was hilarious. Get the terminology right, guys. And it's cuts. funny. One time, one time it came up at the vets club. Some someone came. I was hammered. Okay, and this is you know. You guys, you can you tell have, where you the, have motorcycles. Do you have motorcycles? No, 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 no. So you said the cuts. We were yeah. fans of the show. We <laughs> you made Sons of Anarchy on it? Did you put stuff on? No, it? no, we didn't. We, we were in prospects for Halloween once, though. I see. Okay. We did. We did that. But okay, oh, I'm sure MCs were really like that. So <laughs> I know that's the thing. Like uh, I was hammered. Some guy comes in. I, he was what? What Kingsman? Yeah, I think he was a Kingsman. They're a big club around here. And I go, oh man, we should have worn our cut to hoe. And I was all hammered. And the guy comes up to me. He's like, 
I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was basically like, do I have to beat your ass? <laughs> I didn't get beat up, but I probably, it, I was probably really close to. Yeah. And that's all I said. It they wasn't don't, like. <laughs> they don't, they, well, I think, I like I said, for some, for some members of MCs and stuff like that, I mean, it's, it's, they. They take it very serious. They, well, they all take it very serious, obviously, they're members, but, which mm-hmm. is fine, but it's, Sons of Anarchy goes one way or the other with them. Either they actually watched it or they hated it and they were offended by it. Mm-hmm. Which I don't get because they were actual members of Hell's Angels there. <laughs> I met them. So they were behind the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sonny, uh, I, I believe it's Berger, I apologize for saying it wrong, the founder of, of, of the um, Hell's Angels, was on the show. Okay. Chuck Zito the actor, a stuntman, was on the show who used to lead the Hells Angels in New York City. Mm-hmm. Talk about presence, that guy. Oh, my God. Talk about walking into a room. If you have 100 people in a room and Chuck Zito walks in, every person notices this guy immediately. I mean, you can't buy that kind of presence. This guy, really cool guy to talk to. But um, I, I, <laughs> I'm not easily intimidated. I, I mean that. <laughs> yeah, that dude. I mean, but so my point is, I, I don't, I don't get that. If if they're so supportive of it, mm-hmm. I, I don't get why people get so offended by it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, listen, it's not going to be completely accurate to your life, maybe your experiences, but it was written. Kurt Sutter did a really good job of taking time to really go into this lifestyle and finding real stories of people and what it was, and then taking it and putting a story behind it, it was almost, you know, very. Very much, if you want to get really detailed, it was very much Hamlet. Um, I, bet, I bet it had a know. lot to do with just like, you know how when you like a band that's not popular and then they get popular and then you're like, oh, well, fuck them now. It's probably a lot of that. Like too many people are into MCs now. Or another or, or another band. Well, another band wouldn't like them. It's right. more probably. Yeah. Right. Like another band didn't like that band. Mm-hmm. And then there's something about them. Right. And then, you know, more people like, you know, I just don't. I, I thought that Kurt did a really good job of. of Humanizing this story, which I think people would have immediately stereotypes in their head of who people are that are in these clubs. It's not always true. Whatever opinion you have of them, good or bad, at the end of the day, you know, they're trying to survive and, and live and have family issues and might have a, a, a you know a wife that's nagging them at the, when they go home or mm-hmm. uh, a kid who's uh, you know not doing well or something. And, and, and I don't know. So I mean, did like mafia types hate Sopranos? <laughs> I I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I imagine they wouldn't. Um, but maybe I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe certain that, ones mean, did, and the other ones yeah. didn't. Just like. Just oh, you like, want to hear something cool about mafia types? By the way, sure. So <laughs> one time I'm uh, I'm bartending at this place in L.A. I used to work. It was called the Oyster House. It was in Studio City. I guess it, I just heard they closed it, turned into something else. Famous bar there is there forever, and like a lot of industry people came in there. Not celebrities, more or less, but like people, like executives and stuff, and people. Mm-hmm. But one time, I ran this patio bar out back, and I had to go into the main bar sometimes for glasses and stuff like that. And I'm in there one time grabbing some glasses, and I hear this guy at the bar down the bar with his crazy ass laugh. I looked down, and I remember later coming back in, he was still doing it more and like talking, and it just seemed like really distinct. And I asked the bartender, I said, "Who's that guy?" He goes, oh, yeah, that's Henry Hill. I go, Henry Hill, how do I know that name? He goes, holy shit. He goes, <laughs> he goes, 
Henry Hill. Hey, Henry Hill from um, Goodfellas. I'm like, like the real guy. I go, I, go, on? I looked at it, I go, that's not Ray Liotta. <laughs> he goes, no, that's your real Henry Hill. I'm like, what? I go, was he in witness protection? He goes, I, he goes, I guess he was, but I guess everything was forgiven or he's okay. He's out. Here he is. Wow. So later that night, Henry Hill comes out to my bar. He's smoking a cigarette. He's like, yeah, there's a really nice place out here. He's like, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm Bob. Hey, talking to him. And he came in a couple times and talked to him. And then one time, a buddy of mine was driving down the street and he'd met him somewhere else at another bar. And he saw Henry Hill walking, stumbling down the street, walking. He picked him up and let him in his car. Immediately smelled that he had pissed himself. So Henry Hill <laughs> had to hit his car detail the next day. Henry Hill pissed all over the guy's car. He died a few years ago. So Damn. I, guess, I don't mind saying this. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but he was actually like really interesting to meet. Like this is kind of like, man, you can't buy these stories, dude. Mm-hmm. Henry Hill. Um, I mean, interesting guy, like cool when I met him. Had a weirdness about him that was just there that you I think a lot of guys in that profession probably have like there's something about them like that doesn't quite click like you and I you know and, and how they view the world and it's but it makes it interesting you know cool and I've had that experience a few different times I'm lucky but so I met Henry Hill That's there you go something else there you go my <laughs> mind just wanders talking about mafia hey. oh, Henry Hill I met Henry Hill one <laughs> hey. time um I mean you you're were, you're welcome to hang out and talk as long as you want but uh we've got about an hour of stuff here, so I mean, if you've got anything else you want to talk about, we can talk about it. Or um, let's talk about chafing. You guys get chafing issues at all? Chafing? Yeah, is it chafing? Am I saying it right? Chafing. 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 C H A. Chafing. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you guys find you get old? You guys younger than me. If it's bad, you you gotta you gotta use the baby powder down there. You know what? I used to be a mover. Mm-hmm. In Chicago, and I lived in, at Dan's at Dunkirk, but I became like a real mover, like everyday local mover in Chicago for a couple of years. Holy crap, man. Long, long I days. I, I had to leave the job one time. I was so bad. Luckily, yeah, I had my really? car there. I uh, Yeah, in the Chicago summer. And um, I, I've noticed, as I've, I just want to say that <laughs> chafing products have gotten a lot better. Oh, yeah? Now they got the spray and stuff. Ooh, that's interesting because... I, I haven't really had to deal with it lately. It's usually when you have a shift that's like over eight hours long and you're like... Well, I bartend and I'm walking yeah. around all the time, like, you know, and I got thin legs. I don't really know. <laughs> My current job is like five hours is a long shift, so it's I, I usually don't have to worry that's about nice. it. nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to have that. I, I, when I bartend the long shifts, I really got to be careful with that. I, I just wanted to say, you want to talk about anything, I'll talk about chafing. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, talk, what, what's the product name? Oh you, well, they, but the no, spray. It's, it's, it's gold bond, but the spray, oh, gold bond nice. spray, man. They got the spray. You spray up down there in your manly regions, and uh, you're definitely, good to go. Definitely bring that to work for sure. Absolutely, it's something all men should have. I'm telling you, huh. and don't gold do bond. and kids, our, don't do drugs. They'll be our next sponsor. Yeah, gold bond sponsor. Gold bond free shout out spray. <laughs> it works, man. It works. Good <laughs> stuff. Um, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'll just. Chill for a little bit if you want um, me to. If you have any uh, upcoming projects, like um, right uh, now, it's all about my movie. The uh, demolition, just trying to re- demolition, demolition dance, dance. demolition dance film.com. Check it out. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just at in least watching the middle trailer. Of, yeah, watch the three minute trailer. It's if cool. you're from Dunkirk, I, you'll get a real kick out of it. I mean, I'm doing my best uh, fourth word accent. My friends say who've read it from uh, LA and stuff who love the script have said this is a love letter to your hometown. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a truly love. That's why Absolutely. See, people out here are, who are listening who aren't from Dunkirk, we can talk shit about Dunkirk. We're from there. 
Mm-hmm. You can't. Because if you do, <laughs> yep. we, we get very defensive. And, you know, somebody might get hit very But hard, I, I, so. no one would ever talk shit about Dunker because there's no reason they'd ever even think about Dunker. <laughs> people, nah, people talk shit about Dunker. Trust me. Trust me. Um, Dunker? Where's well, Dunker? <laughs> Dunker? Well, if you stay in that area, Dunker Fredonia, it, it's, it's still kind of, you know, I don't know. But anyway, though, I had a point there. One cool thing. Oh, yeah, Dunker. One thing about Dunkirk is cool about being from there is that even though we're from a small town, we kind of saw a lot of bigger city issues growing up, whether you realize it or not. Nobody else, like, in that area, like, dealt with... Now, now I, I graduated in 1990, so I'm a little older than you guys, but I remember, like, kids, like, at the time, like, there were, like, major drug issues at our school at the time. And not just, like, weed. I'm talking, like major drug issues people you know mm-hmm. and dunker was way worse in the 70s like the high school i just talked to uh to mark brazil the guy who created that 70s show uh he's from fredonia and had actually had got thrown out of fredonia he told me this great story i went to dunker great you'll you'll, <laughs> you'll you'll do better there you know <laughs> yeah and he, he was telling me and my sisters too like dunker was like the high school was crazy in the 70s i mean the the frats ran that school and there were some other ones there that went around when I was in high school that were just literally gangs. I mean just basically gangs. I, I, there was no other way to describe by it. By the time we went they're gone. I'm sure there was still drug use, but I was able to avoid all that. I didn't Dunkirk I didn't. when I was there was a well first of all we're the only small town that has you know, that's not just like, you know, uh, a bunch of white kids going there. You know, we had African Americans, uh, Puerto Ricans going to school. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I think, personally, I, I'm glad because I think a lot of people who are from other towns and areas and stuff don't know how to talk to people who don't look like them, mm-hmm. okay? And so I grew up, half my friends, you know, didn't look like me. That's a good thing about being from Dunkirk, I think, and, and, and I mean yeah, that whole sincerely. Sure. Um, but I think also there's also a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of, like, hustling going on. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> that people who are just, like, you know, stone-cold hustlers are from Dunkirk, and I'm like... You don't really see that until later on. And I got another buddy of mine who's a uh, – I can't really talk too much about him. He does he, – he works in a professional business world, and which involves investments and stuff like that. And he tells me these stories of people trying to hustle in investments and stuff. And he one time said to himself, he says, you know, he goes – honestly, he goes, Bob, if I, hadn't, if I didn't probably come from Dunkirk and hung out with who I hung out with, he goes, I might have been such a sucker when I came out of college. He goes, because I would have, you know, they were just trying to come mm-hmm. at you in know, all these ways. He goes, but I could I could just smell it a mile away with these guys. Because I know so I knew so-and-so, and I knew so-and-so that we grew up with. And remember his brother that was in jail that came out? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we just have all these stories of people we knew that were just, I don't know, good life lessons, yeah. I guess. Thank you so much for coming, <laughs> Cheers, come, stopping by. All right. Yeah, Doyle you. McPoyle himself. Yeah, thank you. Thank Hopefully, you very much. maybe they'll bring your character back sometime. It's never going to happen. <laughs> okay. Gave up on a long... If they didn't bring me back for the court... If they never bring me back for the wedding, it's never going to happen. It just ain't. I, I don't... So, But I appreciate the thought. Thank We're you. hopeful. I, We're hopeful. You know. I mean, I'm sure that shows on at the end of its run. I th- well, thinking. they got signed to another year. Yeah, because really? I I really thought they were closing out last season when Dennis. It seemed like Dennis wasn't coming back. We got another show now. Yeah, that's yeah. what we were thinking. And they then, did. You know what? Here's the deal. I actually saw a couple episodes this year. Because I'll be honest with you, I was always a fan, but I just fell off the show a little bit. Mm-hmm. Especially when I went to FXX, it seemed harder to find at time. And but I gotta admit. They did a really cool last episode last year. I think with Mac coming out as gay, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it. And then and he looks really good. 
uh, like he's ripped. And this he actually went from like being really fat, like on purpose. He actually gained a bunch of weight to be fat for the character <laughs> to like being really ripped, like shredded. Yeah, I mean, we were like wondering if it was CGI. I, no, he's, he's really just shredded fucking, up. He's fucking, he's fucking, he's, he was the uh, he was my least favorite. But anyways, um, everybody else is really cool. Um, but um, Charlie was really really cool. Um, but. They did a really cool thing where I don't know what it was, but it caught me where he did this whole dance routine at the end. You see the last episode? Yeah. When the dance, when he was on like the ballerina dance of this year? Did then, I? Of this current season? Oh, yeah, this what? current season that I, just ended like like a month ago. That that, that one I'm not caught up on. Gotta go watch Maybe it. Maybe I did. The last episode was kind of beautiful. He did this amazingly choreographed dance thing on a stage with a woman and I, I didn't even hear the whole episode so I want to go back and watch it figure out what's going on but it was actually kind of moving and and um, and Frank's in it Dan DeVito and stuff and so you know they might try to maybe they're reinventing themselves a little bit they still got a huge fan base oh yeah you know yeah. I actually did another uh, podcast on this big one out of I think they're Jersey or something and they're huge fans of Sonny and they found me online on this uh, fan site um, which I'm a member of too because I'm a fan of the show, and had me on. And so they have a big following. So who knows? They might surprise you and stick around longer than you think. Well, no, I'd not, it's definitely, I'd want them to stick around. I, I think just, as long as DeVito does it, I, I think just they thought, stick around. I just thought we were, like, getting another season was, like, a treat. I, I thought we were, like, kind of like, spoiled. I didn't think yeah. they would keep going. But. I've always found it kind of a hit-and-miss show, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, every season out of ten episodes, there's, like, you know, five. There's like two real cool ones, four good ones, and a few like, eh, you know, they're they're kind of. But they, but God bless them for. But swinging. Even, but even if run. it wasn't so great, it's only a half hour long show. You know, 20, yeah. 20 minutes, whatever you want. Twenty two minutes if you watch it. Yeah, on Netflix mm-hmm. or whatever. Yep. All right, gentlemen. Thank right. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. As always, follow us at Not Too Much Pod on Twitter. Email uh, Not Too Much Podcast at gmail.com. Follow Bob Rush on Twitter. It's Bob Rush Actor, R U S C H. And check out his trailer for Demolition Dance. It's demolitiondancefilm.com. <laughs> That's it, Henry. Hey, Henry. That's it, Henry. Hey, you want to laugh? This prick last week asked me to christen his kid. <laughs> yeah, I worked for 7,000, my charge. <laughs>